Thanks for listening to the Phobic Flyer Who Learned to Fly's Real Pilot Answer Series with Andy Clark and Peter Cox. Tonight's episode is Real Pilot Answers Part 2, including Dangerous Airports. Do they really exist? I started learning to fly in 2013 and it took me seven and a half years to get my PPR license due to a debilitating fear of flying. I created this channel to show some of my training and what's next for my flying hobby and to prove that it is possible to overcome a phobia. Welcome to the Phobic Flyer YouTube channel. Dangerous airports, do they really exist? <laughs> yeah. <Quashable>. No. <laughs> no and yes. Um, there's no such thing as a dangerous airport per se because it couldn't operate as an airport. No, no. There are certainly airports that have considerable risks. Yeah. And if they are not treated and trained for, would be dangerous. Yeah. Um, in the airline world, there are various airports that we categorise as being captains only. Okay. Um, in Europe, a classic example would be Madeira, Madeira Funchal. Yeah. That is a captains only airport. Is that in Spain? No. It's Portugal. Portugal. It's, a, it's, okay. a, it's an island off the coast of Portugal. Okay. Um, the authorities require to prove that you have completed SIN training. Oh. So every airline that operates into there has to follow the Portuguese authorities version of their rules of how to get in and out. Right, okay. Um, reason being, it's a complex landing on runways on stilts Yeah. Um, with very weird winds because of that. Wow. Um, and when you are committed into the approach, it's how do you abort the landing. So we, we'd refer to it as a go-around. Um, it's where I'm going to make an attempt to land and then I abort the approach, go around and have another go or divert. Wow. With the way that you do the arrival into Madeira, that has complexities because it's you making a curved approach against a, a cliff face, basically. Okay. So, yes, it's a dangerous airport if you weren't trained, but the training reduces the risk from that airport. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. And there's actually, there's a... Um, what's the one in the Alps? Is, it's not, is that Courchevel? Courchevel's in the Alps. And you have to have a type rating or something. You do. You do. You have to go there oh. and actually do the course. Blimey. Excellent. Okay, thanks for that. The emergency oxygen, where does it come from and how long does it last? Okay, someone with obviously a little bit of knowledge is asking this question. Yeah. Um, the emergency passenger oxygen is chemically generated. It's oh. not done from tanks. Okay. So we don't have a hundred plus tanks that look like diver tanks above your heads in the no. overhead lockers because you wouldn't get your suitcase in. No, of course. So what we have is a two chemicals that are mixed when you pull down on the breathing mask. Yeah it will activate the chemical reaction. The byproduct of that is oxygen. Yeah. So little known fact that the chemical reaction actually produces warm oxygen. So if you're ever unlikely enough to be in the situation where you need to use the oxygen mask, probably the least of your concerns, but actually the air will be warm. Um, and it will last for approximately 20 minutes. Oh, okay. So it's enough time for the flight crew to get the aircraft below 10,000 feet. Okay. Where we will depressurise the aircraft, unless it already has depressurised, hence why the oxygen masks have dropped. Yeah. Um, at which point you can breathe normally. Okay. It's your choice whether you take the mask off before the 20 minutes is up. If once you get a, a notification from the flight crew that it's now safe to do so, it's your choice. Carry on using it for whatever makes you feel best in that situation. Brilliant. Thanks, Peter. So the next question is very interesting. I've seen engineers putting silver masking tape on a plane. What is this? Is it safe? Okay, it's um, it's not masking tape. It's called speed tape. Okay. Uh, it's it looks just like a fancy reflective tape, silver tape. Yeah. Um, it's used for holding bits of aeroplanes together. Oh right. <laughs> now, if I said that the average price of a roll of speed tape is in excess of a hundred pound, is it? 
Yes, it's incredibly expensive stuff. For a similar size to masking yeah, tape? Basically. Oh, wow. Um, and it's certified for basically holding aircraft parts together up to certain speeds through certain conditions. Wow. So it can only be used on certain parts of the aircraft and it will be predominantly used as a way of securing a non-critical component, allowing the aircraft to be ferried or to complete so many operational sectors to get it to a maintenance facility okay. where the work will then be completed properly, not using glorified masking tape. <laughs> yeah. But or, yeah, no, it is, it, is, it is completely safe. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if we use it, we will probably have a bunch of restrictions implied on us. Okay. So, depending on where it is on the aircraft, it may well be that we can't fly over certain speeds or we have to try and avoid certain weather conditions. Okay, thanks Peter. Another question here, Peter. So, can parts of the plane be broken but still be allowed to fly? Yes. Oh. Um, going back to the speed tape example, okay, yeah. obviously that is a, a non-standard situation, Yeah. but it allows the aircraft to be ferried to a location where proper maintenance work can be completed. Yeah. Without trying to get into too much detail, there are two manuals produced by the manufacturer. So in my case, flying the 737, they're produced by Boeing. One is called the CDL and yep. one is called the MEL. CDL is stating structural parts of the aircraft that can be missing or in a degraded state. Boeing have certified the aircraft will fly without these, but they'll also then stipulate caveats for what the effect will be on the flight. So it may well be something like a flap fairing. Anyone okay. who sat at the back of a, an aircraft looking out at the back of the wing will see long extruding parts at the back. Those fairings, they're just, they are literally that, fairings to cover all of the flap mechanisms. Without them, we have increased drag. Yeah. So Boeing have said that if one is missing, they will tell me how much extra fuel I will burn per hour. And if that has an implication on how much weight I can lift. Ooh. Now. Obviously, that's a very straightforward example. Um, you can have cumulative parts, multiple parts missing, and you have to combine them all together and come up with what your Im impact will be for being able to fly the aircraft. The other document is the MEL, and this is the minimum equipment list. Okay. This lists items that have redundancy that can be in a degraded state or, in fact, completely failed. Wow. And they will stipulate whether I can or can't take it, how many systems can be affected by it, uh, it will be an ex example will be saying um, an autopilot computer with an autopilot computer missing i can still fly the aircraft but i wouldn't have any automation and that may well mean that i wouldn't be allowed to fly in certain airspace uh -huh. and it would also be very tiring for the crew to have to fly the aircraft yeah, continuously imagine, the whole yeah. time so uh, yeah there's you can have parts missing yeah and you can have degraded systems but aircraft are amazingly redundant yeah so even with parts missing all systems failed it is still very safe to fly and the manufacturer certifies that it will fly but they'll stipulate what the restrictions are okay cool thanks peter oh this is a good one why during landing does it sound like the engines are revving up and down continuously it's because pilots can't fly yeah uh, no <laughs> so, um this is predominantly a jet aircraft question yeah um and the reason being that jet aircraft are, are phenomenal at flying at high altitude at high speed yeah. they are pretty hopeless at flying low altitude low speed which is required for landing yeah so because of this one we use a lot of what we call high lift high drag devices so flaps on the back of wings and we want to fly the aircraft as slow as possible but jet engines take an inordinate amount of time to spool up from idle to full power setting yeah classic figure that gets banded around how accurate it is from each aircraft type i don't know but if you have an engine at idle 
and then you firewall it, it can take anywhere between 13 and 17 seconds to reach full power. What does firewall mean? Full power. Okay. Just put the throttles through the through the firewall. Just okay. whack it oh, as hard okay. as you can. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it can take in the teens. Oh, and wow. if you need rapid response, it's not going to give it to you. Right. So we use the fact that the aircraft is very draggy with all the flaps deployed. Yeah. And with the gear down, that we can run at a higher power setting uh, where okay. it responds a lot quicker. Yeah. Now, we make lots of rapid changes on, on power yeah. to try and control the speed of the aircraft as it's going through config changes and obviously it's descending, coming into land, going through different weather conditions. Um, because of that, it will sound like we're continuously roving the engines up yeah. and down. We're simply making throttle changes and those throttle changes will come through very audibly because the engines are running at quite high power setting at a low speed. Are you making the throttle changes or is the auto throttle? The, uh, both. 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 So okay. depending on how you're flying the aircraft, you could be flying it through the automation, but we will be doing it towards the latter part of the approach unless yeah. it's an automatic landing. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Peter. Oh, this is another interesting one and one that I can remember uh, used to freak me out quite a lot, actually. What is the shudder shaking noise when the wheels retract on some aircraft? Ah, yes. Uh, the 73 is a classic for this, especially if you're sat near the front of the aircraft. Um, not all the wheels on aircraft have brakes. Uh, so after takeoff, the wheels are still spinning because you've, you've been running down the runway in excess of, a, sort of 120, 130 mile an hour easily. Yeah, yeah. When you then take off, those wheels are going to continue ro rotating. When you retract the gear, most aircraft will apply the brakes okay. on the gear that have brakes. Okay. Nose gears very rarely have brakes, if yeah. ever. Yeah. Which means that they are going to come into the belly of the aircraft spinning. Wow. So there are pads that they rub against. They have the imaginative name of snubbers, <laughs> and the wheels will bounce up against them and slow down. Okay. Which makes the plane shake and gives a very distinctive noise. Anyone sort of, it's like a, almost like a tire skidding against the scrubber as it's coming up. Right. Okay. Mm, interesting. Excellent. Thank you. Another interesting question. How does the wing remain capable of keeping the aircraft in the air when it dismantles itself for landing? <laughs> okay, firstly, the wing's not dismantling itself oh, okay. as badly as it sounds. Yeah. I, it can look quite traumatic to yeah. anyone who isn't familiar yeah. with how much of the back of the wing seems to dismantle itself as the yeah. flaps um, actually extend. The wing itself is made up of numerous parts. And when in flight, it looks like it's all one unit. Yeah. Actually, it's many different parts. There's fuel tanks through the centre. There's lots of structural parts that wrap around those fuel tanks that are the wing. Yeah. And then the back and front of the wing are actually parts that bolt on that extend out that we use as the high lift and high drag devices to give us more lift when we're flying slow. Okay. So it may look quite terrifying watching what appears to be the back of the wing it, complete dismantle. Yeah. Especially when you can see through gaps in it. Yeah. Um, you see the ground. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the reason you can see through the gaps without getting into too technical detail, but it's all about how a wing generates lift. Yeah. The flaps are acting as individual wings as well. Okay. So you want to get some high energy airflow over the top of them, so they're also producing lift. Um. If it all extended out as one piece, as older star flaps do, yeah. it will still give you a lot of lift, but it's not as efficient as the modern flaps, uh, which okay. all act as almost individual wings as well. Yeah, fair enough. Thanks for watching. I hope we've answered some of your questions. There are more questions coming next week, so please like, subscribe, and if you have further questions, put them in the comments below.